Today is January 5th, 2021 in the United States. Tomorrow, on January 6th, Vice President Pence is expected to certify the results of the Electoral College for the US presidency. Many people in this country are hoping that Vice President Pence overturns the results and hands the presidency to Donald Trump. There have been calls for large protests in Washington, D.C. tomorrow. A congressman appears to have called for violence in the streets. So will there be a peaceful transfer of government? Well, to be honest, that's not really the focus of our talk tonight, nor is the peaceful transfer of power between other governments in the world today. The one we're gonna discuss is much more consequential, substantial than any other transfer of power that has ever occurred before. And it all starts about 2000 years ago. The disciples noticed that Jesus spent a long time in prayer and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so this is the prayer that Jesus taught them. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is done in heaven. And we're going to stop right there for a moment. When you pray this prayer, the first thing you're asking is for God's kingdom to be reestablished on earth. And that word I used, reestablished, is not a mistake. To understand this, you need to understand that in the first century, the Jews were looking for the Messiah. You see that in the Gospel of John. We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted, the Christ, said Andrew to his brother Simon. Or in John 1, 45, Philip says, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Well, why would they be looking for Jesus in that time period? If we had time, we would talk about Daniel 9 and the 40 weeks prophecy. I don't believe any other topics in the whole New Testament occur as often as the return of Jesus, even including the topic of love. This is why we were instructed by Jesus to pray for the kingdom to come. Well, what about other world leaders? If Jesus returned, how would the leaders of the world today react to that? I found this interesting quote. Queen Elizabeth has said that Jesus is the king that I serve. And it's interesting that her great-great-grandmother said something similar. Queen Victoria said, I hope to lay down my crown at his feet. But to be honest, how many other world leaders 
would be willing to turn their kingdoms over to Christ. Do you think President Putin would turn over the reins of government to Russia to Jesus? Would Chairman Xi of China hand over China to the Lord when he returns? What about Chancellor Merkel of Germany? Think about it, if Jesus returns to the earth tomorrow, how will the world leaders react? Will they accept him? Will they transfer their governments over to him peacefully or not? Mark Twain once said, it's not worthwhile to try to keep history from repeating itself. Man's character will always make the preventing of repetitions impossible. You know, it was 2,000 years ago that Pilate said, behold your king. And the people shouted, crucify him. You see, they weren't looking for a Messiah who would sacrifice himself for human nature. They weren't looking for a lamb. They weren't looking for a peaceful leader. In the first century, they were looking for a soldier king like David, a king who would overthrow the Romans and reestablish the throne of David. And because they were so certain that Messiah would overthrow the Romans, they completely missed Jesus until they shout, crucify him. Now let's pause for a minute. Have you ever heard of the term inattentional blindness? Let me give you the definition of inattentional blindness. This is a failure to notice a fully visible but unexpected object because attention was engaged on another task or object or event. And in the picture you have is an experiment. There are two groups of three players, three in white shirts, three in black shirts. And all they're videotaped doing is passing a ball among their own team the white shirts to the white shirts, the black shirts to the black shirts. And people who view this video were told to just ignore the black team and count how many times the white team passed to each other. And people were intently following the white team to see the results. Well, in the middle of this videotape, Someone dressed as a gorilla, who you see right there in the middle, walked through the scene. In the middle of the, the group, he turned and faced the camera, beat his chest, and then walked off. And the funny thing is, half the people who watched this video never saw the gorilla. That's because they were so intent on following one thing, that they ignored everything else. The people in Israel were so intent on seeing a Messiah to cast off the Romans, they completely missed the mission of Jesus, the Son of God, 
to sacrifice for their sins. And so they said, crucify him. Can we be making the same mistake because we're not looking for the right Messiah to return? That perhaps we're looking for a Messiah who will come back differently than the way we expect him to? Could we be the ones that ignore the gorilla, never see him because we're expecting something different? We're preoccupied with other details and we miss such an important thing. There's a good example of this, and it occurs when Jesus went to a synagogue in Nazareth. Perhaps it was his family synagogue where he grew up. And in this small synagogue in Galilee, Jesus illustrates his two advents. Jesus was called upon to pray. And he stood up and they handed him a scroll and it was the scroll of Isaiah. And, and even though your Bible may say it was a book, I believe because it was in a synagogue and it was a sacred text, there was actually a scroll that Jesus used and turned to a passage. And so Jesus stood in front of the folks in the synagogue and started rolling through the scroll. He almost reached the very end of the scroll when he stopped at a particular point that we would know as Isaiah chapter 61. And then he reads a single verse. This is the passage Jesus read to the crowd. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then mid-sentence, Jesus stops hands the scroll back and sits down. Nobody in the synagogue understood what was going on. They stared at Jesus. And then he said, this day is scripture fulfilled. You see this little passage in Isaiah that you're looking at describes the two advents of Jesus. The first to heal to stir up spiritual eyesight, to turn people back to God. This was accepted or, or the approved time frame of God. It was a time of releasing captives from sin and setting them free in Christ. But the second advent, right at that break, it's literally in the middle of the sentence where he stops is his second advent and the day of vengeance of our God. You see, Jesus will not return the way we're expecting. This is not what the people were looking for. 
Today, people are looking for a lamb to return. But God is quite clear that when Jesus returns, it's to establish his kingdom. And again, imagine how will the world react when a king stands up in Israel and says, serve me. When Jesus came in his first advent, he came as a lamb. When he comes in his second advent, which I believe is near, he will return as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And people may not realize that. They're looking for something else. Don't you think it's interesting in the first ministry of Jesus that he actually refers to the Pharisees as blind guides, blind fools. Paul says there was blindness in their heart or partial blindness has fallen on Israel because they were looking for something else. They missed the obvious thing in front of them. What we want to do tonight is to tell you to look for the things that perhaps you've missed, things that you're not aware of. If you're praying the Lord's Prayer, which I believe you are, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, you can't miss Jesus. You have to understand what you're looking for, who is returning, what Jesus will do when he returns. You need to broaden your knowledge of scripture. You need to be aware of current events. Think of all the times in scripture when Jesus said, watch. And then think of that example I gave of people that missed the gorilla. We don't want to miss the return of Christ. We don't want to misidentify him as someone else because we don't understand scripture. Jesus said we should be looking for his return. And when Jesus returns, we're told that certain things will happen, that he'll return to the Mount of Olives, that he'll defeat an invading army, that he'll rebuild the temple, that he'll demand righteousness. When Jesus returns, scripture is clear. He's not returning as a lamb, but as a lion to restore his father's kingdom first in Israel, and then it will grow and spread until his kingdom fills the earth, which is what you're praying. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, not just in Israel, not just in the Middle East, but on the entire planet. And Jesus will return to set his kingdom up. But the sad part is, I believe most people will miss this. They don't understand. And just as he was rejected the first time, I believe he'll be rejected the second time. But this isn't because I said so. In Psalm 2, we read a prophetic psalm of Jesus. Why are the nations so violently moved? And why are the thoughts of the people so foolish? 
The kings of the earth have taken their place. The rulers are fixed in their purpose against the Lord and against the king of his selection. That's Jesus saying, let their chains be broken and their cords taken off from us. And he goes on, but I have put my king on my holy hill of Zion. That's Jerusalem. I will make clear the Lord's decision. He has said to me, you are my son. This day have I given you being. Make your request to me, and I will give you the nations for your heritage, and the furthest limits of the earth will be under your hand. 3,000 years ago, King David wrote that psalm, but it's prophetic of Christ's second advent when he returns. Isaiah calls it a day of vengeance in Isaiah 34. And one more passage, this is Zechariah 14. In Zechariah 14, one to three, we read, behold, a day of the Lord cometh when the spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, the women ravished, and half the city shall go forth into captivity. The residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. And then Jesus returns. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. Do you remember Acts 6? The angel said he would return to the same place and in the same manner. Jesus left from the Mount of Olives, and here he is returning to the Mount of Olives, says Zechariah and the angels to the disciples. And Zechariah finishes, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof towards the east and towards the west. And again, there's so many things I wish we had time to talk about. But what you read will literally occur. Jesus will return and the nations will fight against him because they're looking for something else. Zechariah 14, especially verse 4, fulfills the word spoken to the apostles just before Jesus ascended to heaven. You know, many people are seeking to upend your prayers. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. In the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they record prophecies that would occur in AD 70, in the last days, And in these prophecies, known as the Mount Olivet prophecies, Jesus tells his disciples, his believers, like you and I, things to do. They're action items, so to speak. In, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, in the Mount Olivet prophecy, Jesus tells us, take heed. Don't be led astray. Don't be troubled. Preach the gospel. Don't be anxious. Endure to the end. 
He says, pray. He says, don't believe false prophets. He says, look up and watch. He says, be ready. In fact, later he says, he will return as a thief in the night. We need to read our Bibles to see what the Bible truly teaches about the return of Jesus. All these things require Bible knowledge. In fact, Jesus expects us to read our Bibles and to prove things to ourselves, not because we're telling you this, but because you've read it and you believe it. Peter adds to this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11. And again, we have these watchfulness words popping up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found in him in peace, without spot, without blemish. And just so we're clear, these ideas of the heavens being on fire isn't literal, but it's the political heavens being overturned. And if we had time, we would go into that even more. Also in Acts 17, verse 31, consider the words of Jesus. Acts 17, verse 31, we read this. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commanded all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. We need to open our Bibles understand the role of Christ, what he accomplished on the cross, and what he will accomplish when he restores the Father's kingdom. Now, finally, there's one last great transition. And it's even more important than the transfer of government to Christ. In the Lord's Prayer, do you remember he said, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. The last great transition will be when you transfer your own will, your own desires, when you change your character to match God's character, to match God's desire, when you make God's will your own. You recall Jesus said before he died on the cross, not my will, but thine be done. There are many reasons we should believe the return of Christ is near. 
Think of all these signs that have been fulfilled. Israel is now a nation. After almost 2,000 years of desolation, it is now a country. And when you understand prophecy, you need to understand that the Jews have to be in Israel before Christ returns. And that's happened. Jesus warned of endless wars, of violence, of godlessness. He warned of pestilences like the one we're undergoing now, this pandemic that has basically shut down the earth. It's interesting, as, as just kind of a side note for you, in Isaiah 26, verse 20, there's an interesting passage. And I had never noticed this until someone pointed it out to me. Isaiah 26, verse 20. This is also a prophecy about Christ. It's a prophecy just before the resurrection, just when Christ returns. In Isaiah 26, verse 20, we read this. Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers. Shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself as if it were a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. Isn't it interesting that just before the return of Christ, as he's returning, the people are closed up. They're shut in their houses. They're in their closets, so to speak. They're sheltered away. And that's exactly what we're going through now with this pandemic. It's speaking of people confined to their houses till things pass over. And it certainly sounds like what we're living today with this pandemic. You see, the stage has been set. The time appointed is drawing closer. The question for you is, will you serve God? Will you read and understand him? Will you repent? Will you be baptized? In Matthew 25, Jesus says, when the son of man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations. He shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. We thank you for watching tonight and we encourage you to open your Bibles and to read about Christ's return and to start paying attention to the world events around us. Thank you. Thank you.